0: So excited today! This is the last of our series we've been doing now on Sunday morning, entitled "This Is My Story." And uh, the last two we've had uh, over the, the we had a little bit of break in the middle, but the, uh, the first two we had, I gotta be honest with you, they they touched me. Amen. Amen. They touched me. Sister uh, Mother Owens's story and Brother John's story uh, touched my heart. And uh, I'm excited uh, to hear uh, one more. So at this time, if Jen Nielsen would come, she's going to share with you her story this morning.
1: I'm not good at public speaking. Dylan told me not to tell everybody that. But I need to tell you that because I'm going to be nervous through this. Um, And I have my notes, so I might be reading a little bit of it. But we'll see what God decides to do. I'm going to put my trust completely in him right now, so I need you all to be with me here. Um, When Pastor Joel asked me to tell my story, I struggled a little bit knowing exactly, you know, what I should say or what parts of it to tell. Um, And then God gently reminded me that this isn't my story. This is his. So I'm just going to tell. I'm shaking. (laughs) But I'm just going to tell. His story about me right now. Um, After listening to Sister Debbie Owens and Brother John's testimonies about um, the disappointment and the rejection and the abandonment that they dealt with and how God brought them through, I was like, well, my story's kind of (laughs) boring because I had a great childhood. Nobody ever did anything like that to me. Um, My story is more about the trials that I caused. Myself to go through, unfortunately. Um, So to go back to the beginning, I had a a really good childhood. Um, Great family, no huge issues. My parents are amazing, and they've always been there for me. They've always been very supportive. Um, My brother, too. Um, We were a happy family. My parents have been married almost 47 years. So I had a very stable upbringing. Um, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and it was fine. Um, it was a little boring as a kid, but it was fine. Very nice people. Um, the, the problem was that I I wasn't really learning anything, and I was hungry, and I wasn't getting any answers, so I was a little bit frustrated the older that I got. Um, even the, the very basic principles that they were teaching me, I just didn't get it. So I was frustrated. Um, After a while, well now, I realize that centuries of tradition really couldn't answer the kind of questions that I had. Um, So I, I, um, when I was a teenager, like a lot of teenagers do, I struggled a bit with self-esteem. I started, you know, making really stupid decisions, hanging out with probably some of the wrong people, and I was drinking, I was partying, I just wasn't. Making very good decisions at that age. Um, at the age of 17, I found myself pregnant. Um, this, uh, this actually—I mean, as you can imagine, at 17, this rocked my world. <laughs> I was scared to death to tell my parents. Somehow, I hid it until I was seven months pregnant. I guess they thought I was just getting really fat, but <laughs> I um, somehow hid it. And I finally told them. All I got from them was love and support. Um, in fact, I remember, I'm trying not to cry. I remember my dad with tears in his eyes just saying, why didn't you tell me? We would have gotten through this together. You didn't have to be alone through all this. So, but as you can imagine, you know, being a teenager, it was, it was a lot and it added another level of shame to my life after all that partying and drinking and hanging out with the wrong people. Um, you can imagine that it added another level of shame and it made it harder for me to want to get to know God because I didn't feel good enough. (laughs) Um, so as you know, I, uh, I did a lot of things to fill that empty spot that led to this point. Um, My family and I got through that situation together. We decided that it would be best for us to find a couple to adopt the baby. So we went to a lawyer's office, and we found um, a couple that was going to adopt her. And everything was great, except for the fact that we hadn't yet told my very traditional and very Italian grandmother, and I was scared to death. If you think I was scared to tell my parents, I was scared to death to tell my grandmother, Um, but when she found out, her exact words were, it's a gift from God, (laughs) and I was like, wait, did you hear what we said, (laughs) and she did, and it just so happened that my uncle, Stephen, and my Aunt Janice had been trying to have a baby for years, and that was her son, Um, that is her son, and um, they, uh, she was convinced that this baby was theirs and she was. So with literally three weeks to prepare at this, by this time, they got everything together for a newborn baby. And when I went into labor, my parents called them. They drove. Thank you. (laughs) They drove to, uh, the hospital and literally met me in the delivery room. They named her Katie. Um, and now, looking back, I can see God's hand in this whole situation because of how well it worked out. Um, but uh, he, God literally somehow, I love Katie, but she, he somehow took that motherly type of love away from me so that I could see how good that the situation was for her. And he allowed me to to just go on. And, I mean, we used to have family um, vacations together. And, you know, it, it just, it was like a normal family and everybody would always say, isn't that weird for you? No, it wasn't weird for me. Um, I felt good about the whole situation, but as good as it worked out, um, obviously that whole situation, more shame was added to my life. So, um, I put my parents through a lot more things (laughs) over the years. That wasn't it. That was probably one of the biggest things, but, well, that was the biggest thing. But after my grandma passed away, we kind of stopped going to church. Um, I got married to my first husband when I was 27, and I had my beautiful daughter, Haley. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yay, Haley. (laughs) Um, I, I had a lot of years where I didn't go to church, but I always, always had that tug in me. Like, especially after I had Haley, I was thinking I got to get her into Sunday school. She needs to learn about God. I need to learn about God. Um, so I attended a few random church services and things along the way, but I just, I kind of just felt a whole lot more of nothing. So, um, kind of stopped and, um, I went through a divorce and unfortunately, during that time, I kind of relapsed to my old um, situation of bad, you know, bad choices. I was leaving Haley with my parents a lot. And I was going out with the same group of friends I used to hang out with in high school and just being dumb. I mean, just dumb. <laughs> and um, so um, layer upon layer, that shame just kept getting worse and worse. Um, Then I met Brant, who is my husband now. Um, When we realized that we wanted to be together, he got me in touch with Mother Wright, who immediately just started loving on me like she does. And um, she did a Bible study with me. Uh, And it all started with the woman at the well, which was a good story to start with for me. Um, it, It definitely caused me to feel that hunger, and I wanted to learn more. Um, it, it meant a lot to me also that she, she taught me out of, out of my Bible, and I could take it home, and I could read it again, and every single time I would read the story, God would show me something else. It, w- it was just amazing to me, and that was no person did that. That was, that was him. He was talking to me. So um, when they invited me to a church service, I was pretty open to going. Um, the first, (laughs) the first service I went to was actually a camp meeting. So I was kind of just like looking around like these people drink too, (laughs) but (laughs) I was like, yeah, it was, it was crazy, but it was good. I felt something that I'd never felt before. Um, so when they invited me to attend a service in Arnold, I went and somehow immediately I just felt at home. I didn't know why, but it, it felt good. Um, and now I know it was the presence of God, um, but um so um I remember the first service I went to at Arnold and a lady walked up to me named Sister Leatherberry. I don't know where Brant went, but I was talking to Sister Leatherberry and she um she said, you know, it's just small talk, I'm glad you came and and she said something like, You know, I used to party and drink a lot too and I was like do I smell like alcohol? Like, <laughs> I, how do you know? I mean, I've never seen this lady in my life. She knew nothing about me. So she she uh, definitely immediately, I had hope because God had helped her. God had obviously told her about me. And I was just open after that. And um, I guess you could say I felt the love of God through her as soon as I walked into that place. And that's what a church should be. In my opinion, that's how you should feel as soon as you walk in the door, you should feel the love of God. Um, so, um, that helped me open my heart and mind that day. And instead of just questions, which I probably even had more of after that service, but, um, I let God talk to me a little bit that day. Um, I wanted more. I didn't know what more was, but, Jesus was just very gently, in his gentleman way, <laughs> saying, come on, get to know me. I, it's clear as day. I could feel his presence all over me. Um, when I started to realize that God wasn't this big, unapproachable being, <laughs> and he wasn't up there going, you bad girl, you don't deserve to know me. I mean, that's how I felt for a long time. <laughs> um, little old significant me he wanted to get to know and wow (laughs) did that change my life um he started dealing with my shame um he made me feel worthy to be in his presence and it changed my life um so um i've been here now about eight and a half years and um a few, well, a few months after that, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and I was baptized in the name of Jesus. I, uh, that changed my life. <laughs> That's what changed my life. Um, I got married to Brant about eight years ago. Actually, tomorrow will be our anniversary. We've been married eight years. so um, I, <laughs> I credit my husband a lot with dealing with me in the beginning of all this, right after I got the Holy ghost and got baptized because I had a lot of questions and he wouldn't answer them. He always directed me to the Bible or he directed me to God. He directed me to prayer. He wouldn't answer any of my questions. And I'm so, I can't tell you how thankful I am for that now because that led God to give me revelations that I got for myself and that nobody can take that away from me. Nobody. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Um, so now, I mean, I, I think about our lives as it really is just like a puzzle to me and there's big pieces and there's little pieces, but when you step back and reflect upon everything, You can see God's hand literally and on purpose and intently sticking every one of those pieces into your puzzle, the one that he's designed for you. And the reason that I know God is so incredibly awesome is because when you mess that up, when you mess up his puzzle that he created for you, he just wipes it off and starts a new one. And he takes all those broken pieces and all of the mess that you created and he turns it into something even more beautiful. And I thank God for that every single day. Um, uh, there's, I can't say my life got, you know, easy when I started my relationship with God. I've been through quite a few trials since then. Um, maybe even more (laughs) before I knew him, but he's been here to give me strength. Um, I found, I have found protection and peace in him. And you know, when you're dealing with human beings, the bottom line is, is you're going to disappoint people and you're going to get disappointed and you're going to have hurts and offenses and you're going to need to forgive and you're going to need to be forgiven. So without him, you can't do all that. You can't do all that. So I, I thank God for his grace every single day to go through the things that, that I, I am thankful to go through because it brings me closer to him. Um, so Now, when, you know, I have trials like those, um, anybody that's married knows sometimes you have trials with your husband. You know, there's things that take you to places where you just don't know what to do, so you have to turn to him. And instead of going to the bar now to to get a drink there, I get a drink of him. (laughs) And he, there's no replacement for him. I've never, ever felt anything like I feel from Jesus. Um, so I not only have my wonderful husband and my beautiful daughter Haley, but I have the most incredible stepkids in the whole world. Um, God has truly taken my mess and turned it into something that I, I can't even, sometimes I just sit back and go, what? Like, (laughs) is this my life? Um, Anyone who knows my family knows we've been through some things. Um, the hand of God is right in the middle of our situation all the time. I mean, there's never a day that he's not with us. Um, the way he put our family together is absolutely amazing. The, the, like I said earlier, the love that he kind of let me not feel for Katie, he's given me for these three kids uh, I'm not their mother, and I'm not trying to take their mother's place by any means. Stepmom is my role in their life, but I love these kids like they are my own. And that's only through God. Yeah. Um, these these four kids have no clue how much they've saved me over the last eight years. Like They have no idea, because there's been days I've wanted to give up on myself. I've wanted to give up on God. One thought of them, and... Here I go. I'm up. I'm out the door. I'm doing what I need to do. Um, they've, they've been a big part of saving me other than my husband. <laughs> so um, um, I, I, um, I had a conversation with Lori Alders not too long ago. And it, it led me to a pretty huge revelation about the power of God. We all know that God can do anything, so everybody's big question is, why, why doesn't he stop the bad things from happening? Um, he can stop some things, I mean, not our will, but he can stop some things in, in milliseconds. Um, sometimes he shows us that his power is shown by seeing his children either hurting themselves or being hurt and choosing not to step in and help. If I somehow knew... Um, that a decision that, that our kids were making that was maybe hurting them meant life or death, then that I absolutely would restrain myself from stopping them because that's the true power of God. Um, so now, you know, we're trying to help several people in our lives. That, some have drinking problems, some have drug issues. And if I didn't somehow understand what that was like or the shame that you feel that goes along with that, how could I help them? Um, some people have been hurt or have major offenses. If I didn't go through my own deep hurts and offenses, how could I really understand what they feel? Um, I, I feel like I have a true nonjudgmental compassion for people and that's what the love of God is. Um, so there you go. I, uh, I believe that we all have a story. I encourage you all to tell yours. You really have no right to keep it to yourself because it's not yours. Um, There's definitely a plan and a purpose for every single thing you experience. So let God use it. So thanks for listening to my story.
0: Can I just say really quickly here publicly to uh, Mother Owens, to John, and to uh, Jen as well, and I'm sure there are plenty others in here today that you could tell your story, and I just was trying to follow the Holy Ghost. I wasn't trying to pick names out of a hat. But can I tell you today just say publicly, Thank them for their courage to tell their story. Amen to that. (laughs) It's one thing when you think everyone knows your story, but it's another thing when you get up and you just proclaim to the world your story. That takes courage. And uh, I thank them for being willing to be vessels of the Lord. And letting his compassion and love flow through them to stand up here and to tell their story. Uh, It it sounds easier sitting there than it does standing here. And I thank them for that because I have sat here over the last uh, three weeks. And uh, we're going to do this again this fall because I feel like it's such a powerful tool because I've sat here over the last number of weeks and uh, there were parts of each story today that I heard and I didn't know or I knew but I didn't really remember the context and I sit here in awe today and and knowing what God has done. Can I be honest with you today and say this, religion can't do that. (laughs) A church institution cannot do what was said today. You can't say it's because they go to church because let me be honest with you, going to church doesn't do that. There is only one thing that was common among all three stories and we could tell a hundred stories here today and there would be a common thread and that common thread is a connection with Jesus Christ. I just want to briefly—I'm not going to, in case you're worried—I'm not. I'm well aware of the time. I want to draw your attention just really quickly to to a story in the Bible that that sort of—I feel like—speaks to the story that was told today and the stories that were told because it speaks to a bigger picture of what really this is all about. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 11. It says this, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem. It says, speaking of Jesus. He went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there, were, there met him ten men. Everybody say ten. They were lepers which stood afar off. We'll get back to that. That's a very important phrase there. They stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, "Go show yourselves unto the priests." And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when, they, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at the feet at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus, answering him, said, "Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And it descended him, said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. There is something great of importance in this scripture that we have just read today that speaks to a lot of you today and where you are, and maybe some of you that have been around here today, even where you are in that process. These ten men were dealing with the most debilitating disease known at the time. I know some of you have walked the journey of cancer and you have loved ones that have walked the journey of cancer. I know you have... Some of you in this room have sat there at the doctor's office when they have re- they've looked across the table at you or, or, or stood there and told you, uh, sir, ma'am, we have found some things in some tests and, and you have cancer. Or maybe you know the loved one that has walked that journey and, and you know or you've heard how that news sort of sinks deep inside. It just hits you. One moment you're fine, the next moment your life has changed. But even that cannot compare to what it was like during this period of time to be someone who was found to have leprosy. Because at that period of time, if the first spot of leprosy began to appear on your body, that very moment, your life was changed it wasn't put into a treatment program. You weren't put into the hospital. At that moment of time, you were stripped away from your family, pulled away from your kids, your husband, your wife. Your, 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 your whole world was shut down, and you were sent off into a, a group to die. There was very very little chance to ever really have a good Goodbye, there was a very little chance that you could just hold your kids one more time, hold your wife, hold your husband, hold your parents. It was all gone. You were now scarred, you were now isolated, you were now a a detriment to society. Can you imagine what that would be like today? And if that didn't make it worse, when you would venture out of your world... You had to venture out of your world only to bring more shame because if today we could go back in time and we could make ourselves in the time that the story was written and we could do this. If I walked in here today and I was one of those lepers, this is the requirement that I would have to do. I would have to walk in here and I would have to announce to all of you today, unclean! I couldn't just whisper it. I couldn't just softly say it. I couldn't just tell Gina here and have her pass it along. I'd have to announce it to everybody. Unclean! Unclean! And with that announcement, you would begin to move everybody to that side of the room. And if I would come today and I had that, I'd be sitting over here by myself and everybody would be over there. No one would shake my hand. No one would reach out and love me. Everyone would be afraid of me. Can you imagine what that would be like to have that kind of life where you were isolated, that you felt worthless, that you felt ashamed to even be who you are, and to have that kind of life to deal with? Can you imagine what that would be like to deal with that rejection consistently, to see your kids and to see your spouse and see your parents and your grandparents or whoever that loved you, run away from you because they didn't want to have what you had. And if that wasn't bad enough, the disease itself would literally begin to eat you and you would begin to lose fingers and you'd begin to lose a part of your nose, a part of an ear and all this stuff would begin to take place. And when these ten men showed up to Jesus, that was the condition of their life. They were living with that. The Bible doesn't say how long they had lived with that. I would imagine they were all in various various stages of, 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 of condition. But the bottom line, they were all living with the understanding that they had a death sentence. And that death sentence and the product of that had taken pieces from their life. Can I tell you today that the Bible does not Put sin in slots of importance, all have sinned, and whether or not it 's sin that we 've done intentionally or sin that we did, we didn 't even realize we were doing it all is sin, but sin brings separation sin. Bring separation. I've watched families torn apart from sin. I've watched relationships torn apart from sin. I've seen lives shattered by that. And yes, it's awesome today to have the opportunity to come and experience God. But these ten men had an experience with Jesus. And do we want to have an experience with Jesus? Absolutely. But there's something that was greater in this story. Because his first... Word to them was, go show yourself to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. Go, for lack of a better term, go to church. Seriously. Go to church. They go to church and the Bible says they get healed. What does that mean? That means they found a way to basically, in our terminology, stop the bleeding. The disease was stopped. The disease was eradicated. But one of these individuals did something that, that today I feel like is something we all need to take to heart. The Bible says that one of these men, when he realized what had happened to him, he came and fell down at... the Jesus' feet on his face, what is that it is a, it is a it is a position of worship. It is a position of worship. He laid down at Jesus' feet. We know the little bit of dialogue we read it. Jesus looked at him and first said, Where are the other guys? I said,'re not, they're not around. He said, only one showed back up, and he made this statement to him, Your faith has made you whole wait a minute your faith didn't he already have faith to go to the priest he had faith so why did jesus say your faith had made me whole has made you whole because the bottom line this is what i believe took place is the ten were healed. The Bible says they were healed. But it didn't say anything about the condition they were in after they were healed. Because even though they were healed, there were pieces of their life that were still a mess. Can I tell you today that even if you found God in this room, you will leave out of this place with pieces of your life still a mess. There is no magic lamp up here that you can rub. And Jesus' genie pops up and says, what are your three wishes? I would like my life to be perfect. Wish number one. Wish number two. I would like all my troubles to go away. It is all granted unto you. I'll save that third list when I need it. I'm sure I'll need it down the road. And you walk out of here going, my life is perfect. It is so wonderful. Jen said it. Life was awesome when she found God. But that wasn't the end of the journey. And can I tell you today, I'm a little, I'm a poor salesman, if you want to call it that way. Because I'm kind of telling you, the product's good, but that's not all there is. Coming and finding God today is awesome. I hope everybody in here can find an experience with God. And finding that experience with God can stop the effect that life is having on you. However, what about the things you've already been through? Yes, it can stop what's going forward. But what about where I've been to up to this point? What about the things in my life that I did to myself? What about the things, as John talked about, others did to me? What about things in my life that now I stand here? And yes, I've found God, but what's next? Can I be honest with you? i got to be honest with you. Coming to God does not make things perfect. Coming to God is not some cure-all, magic formula that life becomes perfect and utopic, and you just silly skip from cloud to cloud. There is no special closets where we hand out halos and harps and fit you with your wings and say, "You have now made it, and life is going to be perfect." That's not the case. And what about the other nine? They had to walk away healed, but they had to give the story about, what's wrong with you? Well, I used to have a disease, and it's just the effect that disease had on me. It's just the effect that disease had on me. And and, and I have to live this way. No, 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 can I tell you this? That you don't have to stay the way you are. Oh, Jesus. The only person keeping you like you are is you. Oh, someone didn't hear me. You didn't hear it. The only person. There is nobody no matter what they've done to you. And we've heard stories of things. We heard a story about a man last week who called his dad on the phone and said, Hello, and his dad said, who is this? And he says, dad, it's John, your son. And his dad says to him, I don't have a son named John. There are some things in here that have horrible that people did to you. But that can't stop you. Nothing today can stop you but you. Nothing can stop you from seeing God do something in your life but you. Not me, not the person next to you, nobody in your family, no matter what they've done, nothing you've done, nothing that's been done for you that can stop you. You say to me, but you don't know what I've been through. No, I don't. And really, honestly, I don't want to know because that's between you and God. I just know one thing. It can't stop you. Because the love of God can penetrate any wall. The love of God can penetrate any shame. The love of God can penetrate any chain of bondage. But here's the key. Here's the key. What's the difference? Okay, what's the difference? I'll tell you the difference. Nine men found God in church, but one man found God for who he was. You can come to church today and you can leave different. But if you don't find him, you will never be whole. There are some benefits to coming to church. There are benefits to coming to church, being a part of people, finding a family of believers, finding people that will support you, finding people that will be here. For most of us in this room, the people in this room are closer to me And are my family more than my family? I see all of you more than I see my family. It's a great place to be. However, I don't want to just be healed because what is that word he said? Your faith has made you whole. What does that mean? Here's what I believe that means literally that when he fell down at Jesus' feet and began to seek Jesus and he said, you're whole. That means the pieces that were missing in his life, the fingers the ears, the nose, the shame, the hurt, the regret, the rejection. He became whole in his life. That if he told his story, his story could be told from the thing, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I'm seen. That's what I used to, but you look at me now, that's not who I am. If I, if I ask you today... If we, if we lined up five people up here today and I could ask you to even, even try to guess at their story, you wouldn't even, I mean, I wouldn't even be able to give it a close. I would never be able to guess some of the stuff that was told here. And when we do this again in the fall, some of the stuff that we told the fall, I can't even imagine trying to even try to guess that. Why? Is that because somehow they have faked it until they make it? No. Bottom line is that's it's the power of God that can take the hopeless, as we sang this morning, and give hope. He can take the broken and give healing. So my challenge to you today, and the challenge of God in this place today, is it's great to be here, but the real focus of all this is to find a connection with Him. You find a connection with me, you find a connection with this church, it can only go so far. But if you would seek Him, if you would fall down, maybe not literally, but fall down figuratively at his feet. What does that mean? That means when I fall down in his feet, I'm giving up totally of everything in my life. And I'm totally showing my full dependence upon him. Because get be honest with you, if you could have figured it out by now, you'd already figured it out. Right. Right. You can keep looking, but I'm going to tell you this. It's, it's Let me get to the end of the story. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. So you keep trying it your way. There's nothing that's going to stop you. But you know what? Your way is going to continue to lead to more pain, more shame, more bondage, more difficulty. The choice today is your choice. I can't make that choice for you. I said, I've often said this, if God gave me one power, my, the power, the heat that I would love to have, just one, is the ability to come down, find somebody, grab them by the hand, say, come here right now. Okay. Stand stand right about. Where are you going to be, God? And look, God's going to be right there. Okay. You stand there, stand there. Okay, all right. All right, looks good to me, looks good. Okay, good. Okay, God, he's ready, do it. And boom, boom, their life would be totally changed. I wish I could do that. Because you know what's so hard? Is to watch somebody, see them, know what God can do, see the power of God reach, reach as it's been in this room today, God reaching, His love reaching, and to watch somebody sit there and then walk away. Oh, God. That breaks my heart. It breaks my heart, but you know what? As was said before, the power of God is the fact that He allows you to do that. You know what? Can I just say this? It's crazy, but it's just human nature that that people have taken God's love and mercy and to somehow have turned it into weakness or even have taken that to say that God doesn't even exist because if he exists, he would eradicate this and eradicate that. Or even take his mercy and his love as confirmation that your actions are pleasing to him. Bottom line is this. God desires every person in this room have a connection and a relationship with him. Your story today is left up to you. The Bible says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Your story remains unwritten today. The stories you've heard today, the stories i heard the last couple weeks, they're awesome. But can I be honest with you? Their story isn't finished being written. There are people in this room today, this is the great part about being in a group like this, there are people in here today that have been here for 30 years. Even their story's not finished. And how your story finishes today is left up to you. And who are you going to allow to write that story? Can I be honest with you today? I'm not a big book person. I've I read some, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not some of you. I'm not like some of you that just pick up a book can't put it down. I, I, I I've never been like that. It's just not who I am. But I, I do know something about books. And you know what? If you picked up a, a book, let's just stay a tale of fiction, just to be safe. And you opened up that book. and you read one page, two pages, you and I both know it would be unfair to try to determine the whole entire story based off one or two pages. It would be unfair. Because we all know, whether you love them or hate them, we've all sat down and watched one of those Hallmark romance movies. Most of us. If you haven't, just wait. It's coming. You get married long enough, it's coming. And my wife loves them. But I kind of be honest with you, it drives me crazy. Because it's the same story repeated over and over and over again. It doesn't matter if they're both doctors. It doesn't matter if he works at a tree farm and she's a, a world botanist. It doesn't matter what the story is. It's the same story every story is the same. They see each other. They slowly come. They fall in love. And you know it doesn't matter. It's coming. Something is going to happen. And they'll get apart. And then you have to spend the next 20 minutes watching these two deal with their issues only to know they're going to do this to you every time. They're coming back with about 30 seconds left. And you're going to watch the final kiss, and the credits are going to roll, and that's the end. Every time. We don't know if they kissed, and then after a while, they're like, but I'm not. We don't know. It just kissed. The end. Let's get going. Everyone. But you know what? If I walked into the room while she's watching one of those movies, and I walked in the room, and I see them, and they go, oh, beautiful, this is great. And I try to just, no, the story's not over. Every story in this room is not finished being written. And you know what? It doesn't matter. My part of the story, we might be in the love phase. Your part of the story, you might be going this direction. The the bottom line is this. The story's not over yet. The story's not finished. But if you would give the hand, a pen to the hand of the author and the finisher and let him write the story, not you anymore, but you would let him write the story, he will finish what he started. You know what? I don't want to judge you based off what page your book is on today. Don't judge me based off the page. My, You don't know what chapter I'm in. My chapter today might be the chapter of struggle and pain, but the next chapter is going to be this chapter of triumph and peace and joy. But if you look at me today, you say... There's nothing going on there. It's, his life's a mess. But you don't know, the pin of my life is in the hand of the Master. Society wants to look at your book today, look at your pages and say, it's no good. Throw it out. It'll never be a bestseller. It'll never be a good. But can I tell you, every person in this room is going to be on the bestseller list of heaven. Because can I tell you, there's no story like your story. There's nothing like your story. But can I say to you today, it's up to you who finishes your story. You can figure out how to write it or you can give the pen to the one who knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. Let him be the writer of your story today. Let him be the one who finishes writing your story today. You could try to figure out how to make it all work out and you might be be able to do a good enough job for a moment to, to fake it. But bottom line is, the Bible says, I don't know what tomorrow but he does. And if I have the pen in the hand of the one who holds tomorrow, I can have peace to know whatever I face, I have hope that I will make it through. But it's your choice today. Can't you just take a moment right where you are, just bow your heads. We're just going to do something very simple today. We're just going to have a moment where just you and the Lord can talk in your own private way. You don't have to be very loud. No one next to you needs to know what you're saying. But don't just think something. I want you to actually open your mouth and pray for a moment. And I want you to just ask God or tell God this. I want you to tell God in your own words, God, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to find you. I want to know you. Lord, help us today. There are hungry hearts here today. There are hurting hearts here today. And God, I pray by your grace and your mercy and your love that you would give us today the grace to relinquish the pen of our life into your hands today. That you can be the author and the finisher of our story. In the name of Jesus today, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal and make yourself known to every person in this room in a real way. God, even the ones in here today that think they know you, Lord, give them the desire to know you even better. I loose in this place today a spirit of hunger that would rise in the hearts of the people in this room. I loose the spirit of hunger that would rise in each and every heart. God, that we would be challenged today by your word. We'd be challenged today by the moving of your spirit to want to know you, to want to seek you, to want to find you. You said if we knock, it will open. If you seek, you'll find. If you ask, it'll be given. And Lord, today we seek to know you. We knock at the door of relationship and we ask in faith that you would show yourself to us in a fresh way. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, would you stand with me today? The book of Daniel says this statement. The book of Daniel says, they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It didn't say they that go to church. And can I be honest with you? It's kind of sound like a little bit of contradiction based on what we said earlier today. It didn't say they that know their Bible. Is all that important? hundred percent. But they that know their God shall be strong. You say, well, I, my life's good right now. No, yeah, it's good. Just go outside right now. Beautiful. Beautiful weather. Gorgeous. Was it two days ago? It felt like the earth was going to open up and swallow us away. Storms come. Life comes. Wind comes. And you may sit today and go, I don't really need all this. Okay, fine. But there's coming a day. On the stormy seas of your life, if you don't have an anchor, you've got nothing. And if you don't know Him, you may not make it. But if they who know their God will be strong and do exploits i challenge you today challenge you today i'm not giving a formal altar call we're not even going to pray why is that because i feel like today it's not about what happens in this room that's important it's about what happens when you leave here what good is it today if you if you if you have a moment but when you leave you just turn it off never to think about it again but here's what I pray when you get in your car and you go home that the voice of God is just calling out to you when you try to lay in your bed at night and you're tossing and you're turning in all of the fear and worry about tomorrow that the gentle voice of God would reach into your fear and would just say give me a chance give me a chance can we just lift our hands one more time and let's just thank the Lord and love him can we do that come on he's so wonderful so beautiful so awesome so awesome I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Really quickly, before you go, three things. First and foremost, if you're a guest with us today or you brought a guest, right over to my left, we got some coffee, we got some donuts, we've got some fruit, we've got some other things. We'd love for you to take a moment, stop by, grab something. Even if you've got to go, take something with you. Uh, as a small token appreciation for you being here today. Second thing is, don't forget, next week, take some of these cards with you. The Sunday school will be doing an Easter egg hunt. The kids will be singing. So it's important to come and and be a part of that and uh, and join with us uh, for that Easter uh, time. And please help us out by taking one of these cards. And I forgot what the third thing is. So... uh, (laughs) We're just stick with two for now. Amen. God bless you. Make sure you greet somebody in Jesus name.